0: Um, so I am excited about what I'm speaking about today. Cause I thought, you know what, Jared, you like, you can just get up and say anything you want. Like, wh- what are they going to do? Not let you do it again. Okay. So I just feel like I've got some liberty this morning. Um, and I'm going to take that. And if it's a train wreck, then Steve and Dustin can fix that next week. Um, man, I'm excited. So today I want to talk about this subject, when Jesus gets involved, when Jesus gets involved. And I'm going to read a couple different passages before we get started here. And the first one is in John chapter five, verses one through nine. And it says this. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there was in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda. So there was this pool called Bethesda, and it's surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie: the blame, the blind, blame, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. From time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. The first one into the water after each. Such disturbance would be cured of whatever disease they had. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked a really dumb question. That's my uh, paraphrasing. Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. We're going to change to Matthew chapter 27, verses 45 through 54, and it says this, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land, and about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I just killed that right there. I hope you know. (laughs) I worked on that one for a little bit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of their tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. Don't worry, I'm not going to talk about that. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. I wanna speak for a couple minutes this morning on what happens when Jesus gets involved. I wanna pray for you right now. God, we come before before you. We thank you for this opportunity that um, you've given us to get together and fill your presence together as a church family. Um, God, this one is is special because I know this is one of the last times, but um, help this not to be taken for granted that we are able to come in here week after week and feel your presence and hear your word and help it cut our heart. God, your word says the Bible is quick and powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I pray that it pierces our hearts and our minds this morning. God, help us to leave stirred and challenged and changed, not walking away the same way that we walked in we give you all the praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. amen. So I, uh, I um, am getting older. I'm 33, I'll be 34 next month. And um, one thing that I have noticed um, getting older is... Um, you know, I look back to the time I was in college and, and we had a curfew in college. And at curfew, we would always do one of three things. We would go to the QT on Shell, where we would go to the Jack, on the, Jack in the Box on Shell, or we would go to the Taco Bell on Lindbergh. And that was at 11 o'clock at night. And the older that I get, I realize you can't do that anymore. Um, so what I've also noticed is as my metas- metabolism gets slower, that I've got to try to do something to to offset the horrible health life choices that I've made. So I try to keep myself active. And, and one of those things that I try to do is I wake up um, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday and go play basketball um, before I go to work. Now, I say I do this, but let me tell you something about Jared Carter. I am very, very persuasive at 5.30 in the morning to myself. And it goes like this, and it's usually on Monday. Um, I hit the alarm at 5.30, and I'm like, Jared, you gotta get up, man. You ate terrible this weekend, let's go hit the gym. But then it's like, but... Jared, think about this. You've got a lot to do at work today, and it's 5.30, you're already tired. Think about it. If you get up and then you go run for two hours and then you go to work, man, you're just gonna have an awful day. You're not gonna get anything done, but man, if you sleep in just for two more hours and don't work out, you are just gonna conquer this day, Right? And I am just so persuasive in the morning. So what I do, just snooze it. And you know, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm gonna rejoice. I'm not gonna rejoice at it six in the morning playing basketball. I'm gonna rejoice sleeping in till eight and getting to work a little late, so... I realized what I really needed to do is find a different time to play basketball. So for the last couple of weeks, I have been going to this church at night and playing basketball and, and it's good because number one, I get my cardio and number two, the people there aren't that good. So we run a lot and I just feel like a superstar. They're like 60 and I'm running around. I'm like, dude, y'all have no game. Um, until last Thursday night, there was this kid that showed up Uh, I say he's a kid. He was 21 and his name was Joey. And Joey walked in and I could just tell Joey knew what he was doing. Joey was a basketball player. He looked like a basketball player. The dude didn't even warm up. I could tell by just the way he walked, just the shoes that he had on. He didn't even, he literally did not take a shot to warm up and just walked on the basketball court. And uh, I knew we were in for a treat with Joey. And I wasn't even on Joey's team. And this is how crazy it was like Joey was awesome at basketball he was a lefty he could literally do anything he wanted on that court and I wasn't even mad about it I'm on the other team and like after every shot I'm like dude that was awesome I'm like shaking his hand slapping his hand like dude that was an awesome shot good job man like you're killing us you're beating us by 10 points great awesome Joey because when Joey got involved there's like literally nothing else that we could do So um, what we do there is we sub out. So we were playing like our third game and we were down by like five points and Joey subbed out. It was like 13 to eight. We're playing to 15. So Joey subbed out and like our our team's eyes got real big. All right, like dude, we gotta do this now. If we're gonna win this game, we gotta do it right now because Joey's out of the game. So we come back and we tie the game at 13 and the worst possible thing happened to our team. Joey got back in the game. (laughs) And let me tell you, we didn't know how it was gonna happen, but we knew it was gonna happen. Joey was gonna win this game. He, could, he was a lefty, man. He had a smooth shot. It could be like just a step back three in my face or he could just like dribble around me, whatever Joey wanted to do. Because when Joey got involved, there's nothing else that mattered. Like we could play any defense that we want. He was gonna score on us. He's gonna make the right pass. He was gonna, like Joey was, a, like I, I'm like excited right now talking about how good Joey was at basketball. I'm like more excited about Joey playing basketball than I am about Jesus right now. I'm just kidding. But Joey was so good at basketball because our team knew that when Joey got involved in the basketball game, there's there's nothing else that we could do. And that might be a really weird illustration. But in our lives, when Jesus decides to get involved and take over, it doesn't matter anything else but that. It doesn't matter anything else but that. We find in our first um, story here in the Bible that this man was an invalid for 38 years. He was lame for 38 years. And see, this is the process of what happened. So the Bible says there was a season, we don't know if it's once every year, we don't know if it's twice a year, if it's four times a year. There was a season where something would happen and the angel of the Lord would descend and he would disrupt the water. He would begin to disturb the water and the water would start to be troubled. And when that happened, the first person into the pool, would be cured of their disease. You see, there was a process involved, there was a checklist, like there's things that had to happen for this to be, for you to be cured. And can you imagine this guy for 38 years? He can't walk. He's just sitting by this pool and he's waiting and waiting and waiting for his turn. At least 37 times, the angel of the Lord has descended and he started to disturb the water at least 37 times. And he's got up and tried to make it to the pool first, but never ever has he been there first. 37 times he has had to watch somebody else rejoice in their healing while he has been an invalid for 38 years. There was a process. Everything had to be right. It had to be the right season. It had to be the right timing. If it wasn't the right season, if it wasn't the right timing, then it wasn't going to happen. If the angel of the Lord didn't descend, if there was no angel of the Lord, the process didn't happen. If the water didn't begin to get troubled, it didn't happen. And last but not least and most importantly, if you were not first into the water, it didn't happen. But then Jesus shows up. And he sits down beside this man who's been an invalid for 38 years. He hasn't been able to walk for 38 years. And Jesus sits down beside him and asks him a question that is so obviously the answer to it is yes. Sir, do you want to be made well? I asked you that this morning. Ma'am, sir, do you want to be made well? Because Jesus is here. And when Jesus gets involved, he can take care of anything. Tell you about this man. Jesus says, Do you wanna be do you wanna be made well? Do you wanna be made well? without skipping a beat, this man just starts into the, into the excuses. And you don't, you don't understand. I do. But what has to happen? You might be new here. What has to happen? It has to be the right timing. And that's why nobody's around because it's not the right timing. And then this angel comes down, he, he sits on the water and, and he, he starts to disrupt the water. And this is where it really gets interesting. And it, it's not, it'll never be my time. Like you have to be the first in the water. Like you can't be second. You can't be third. And you might think if it happened right now, I would be first in the water. But I promise you there's going to be some blind guy running down the street that here's the what the water's troubling and he's gonna run into the pool and he's gonna be cured and it's not gonna be me. So yeah, I wanna be made well, but it's never gonna happen for me. It's not the right timing. The process didn't work out. I'm never gonna be first. And Jesus says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And immediately the man was healed. Let me tell you, about this process. It wasn't the right timing. In fact, you know what happened later? They got mad at Jesus because he did this on the Sabbath day. And you weren't supposed to heal people. In fact, you weren't supposed to do anything on the Sabbath day. And Jesus is here healing people on the Sabbath day. It wasn't the right timing. There was no angel of the Lord that came down. The pool wasn't even involved. Jesus just turned to him and said, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Nothing else had to matter. And in our daily lives, we get caught up in the process, right? We think that we have to follow the right rules and we have to do this correctly. We have to, we have to get better first. We think that our problems are so insurmountable that, at, at, that, that it can't happen. But I can tell you that when Jesus gets involved, there is nothing else that matters. At the mention of his name, circumstances can change. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That at the very mention of his name, knees are gonna bow and tongues are gonna cry out that he is Jesus Christ, the Lord. Because when Jesus gets involved, Nothing else matters. And you come in here today and you think, my problems are so big, you don't understand like what's going on in my life. You don't understand what's going on here. You don't understand what I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with. You don't understand what I struggle with. You don't understand what I'm addicted to. It's all so big, but I can tell you that Jesus is here. And when Jesus gets involved at the very mention, he can do it in the snap of a finger. This man had been lame for 38 years. And immediately he got up and walked because when Jesus gets involved, everything changes. When Jesus decides to put his hand in the mix, everything changes. So this happened at the beginning of Jesus's ministry. And then we fast forward through Jesus's ministry and we all know Um, the story of how Jesus did so many miracles and he preached so many sermons and he taught so many parables to different people. And at the end of the day, you know what his reward was? A sentence to be killed on the cross. So we fast forward to where Jesus has been sentenced to die and while he is hanging on the cross, he is being mocked and yelled at and spit on. The crowd is throwing things at Jesus. One of the guards gives Jesus vinegar to drink and Jesus cries out one last time and then he dies. And as soon as Jesus dies, a number of things take place. There is an earthquake that happens. Tombs are open and dead people are raised to life. But one thing that I want to focus on is that the curtain of the temple was torn Two. Did you notice that was in there? The curtain of the temple was torn in two. And it just kind of glosses over that like it's not a big deal, but let me tell you, it was a big deal. Because the curtain of the temple symbolized something very big. And if you were here last Easter not two weeks ago, but last Easter, Dustin walked us through the tabernacle and how everything had a meaning and how this symbolized that. It had to be in the right order and it had to be in the right process and you had to walk through. And not only you couldn't do it, it had to be certain, somebody of a certain tribe. You had to have, uh, it was relegated to a, a certain dignity. There was a process in place. And the veil, what the veil was, it separated the holy place from the holiest of holies. And the holiest of holies is where the presence of God dwelt. And there was only one person that could go in there, the high priest, and he was of the tribe of Levi. See, there was a process, there was a checklist. I wanna show you this checklist. So this is the pre-Jesus checklist, okay? Walk through this, and there's a whole lot more. I just kind of rattled some off, and I don't wanna get too deep in this, but... So here's a checklist of things that you had to do before Jesus died. Everyone in the Old Testament did, did this. So to be forgiven of your sins once a year, you had to bring a spotless lamb to be sacrificed. This would roll your sins forward once a year. So this was the, this is a, a box you would have to check. Okay, once a year, we're, we're heading to Jerusalem or to the tabernacle. We, we've gotta find a spotless lamb, one without spot or blemish. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna get here and we're gonna sacrifice it and everything that we've done wrong, this is gonna roll it forward to next year. And next year, we're gonna have to do the same thing. We're gonna have to find a, a lamb that doesn't have spot or blemish. We're gonna take it to Jerusalem. We're gonna take it to the tabernacle. We're gonna have it sacrificed so our sins will continuously be rolled. They were never fully forgiven. They were just kind of postponed a year. So that's number one you had to do to be forgiven. You had to bring a spotless lamb once a year. Number two, the tabernacle is made up of three parts where only certain people are allowed in each part, the outer court, courtyard, the holy place, the holiest of holies. So this wasn't like some museum that you could just walk up to and take a tour through the whole thing. Like you weren't allowed into certain areas unless you had the right bloodline or the right pedigree. So this is the tabernacle. It's made up of three parts, the outer courtyard, the holy place, the holiest of holies. Now, after this, one, you have to make sure that every piece is set up in the right place, right? Ensure all pieces are in the correct spot. We've got the altar of burnt offerings. We've got the labor. We've got the table of showbread. We've got the menorah, We've got the altar of incense. We've got the veil that separates the holiest of holies from the holy place. We've got the Ark of the Covenant. And then inside the Ark of the Covenant, we've gotta ensure that there's three things, that it contains three things, Aaron's rod, the 10 commandments, and the jar of manna. Like I said earlier, only the high priest was allowed past the veil into the holiest of holies, and this is where the presence of God dwelt. The high priest had to be from the tribe of Levi, and as we all know from Indiana Jones, you don't touch the Ark of the Covenant. That's not even biblical. That's just from Indiana Jones. I'm kidding. But this is your checklist before Jesus. This is what happened. This was the process. These things had to happen. In fact, it was so important that the high priest, like if he was the wrong person or if he wasn't right, he would go into the holiest of holies and just, uh, he would be killed because he shouldn't have been in there. So what they would do is they would put him in a robe and they would put bells on the bottom of the robe because they wanted him to to stand outside the veil and make sure that he was still alive, walking around and accidentally bump into the Ark of the Covenant and kill himself. That's a joke. It's a Steve Thacker joke apparently. Didn't go over well. (laughs) Last Sunday, man, y'all can do whatever you want after this, I don't care. But there was a process in place. I'm not trying to get you to understand or, or memorize everything that happened, but what I am trying to get you to understand that these things had to happen for you to make it, for you to be saved. This is what it took, man. We come in here and we enjoy the presence of God. That's not the case in the Old Testament. The presence of God was relegated to the holiest of holies. There was a process in place. This curtain is what um, separated the holy place from the holiest of holies. They said it was at least four inches thick. So it's not like the earth trembled and like it just fell off and it was like like paper just, no, this thing was thick. And when Jesus died, that thing was torn in two. And you know what that meant? Jesus is like, all right, I'm getting involved now. And everything else that's on that checklist and every other procedure and process that you think has to happen no longer has to happen because I'm taking care of it right now. Because when Jesus died, no longer do you need a spotless lamb because he became the spotless lamb. And he said, you're not gonna have to come back in a year and you're not gonna have to come back over and over and over again. I am dying right now for the sins of mankind. Anything that's ever happened, anything that's currently happening, anything that will ever happen, I am doing it right now. I'm taking care of it right now. And you know that one person that can go in and feel my presence? No, I'm tearing that curtain down so everyone can feel the presence of God. So whereas it used to be where you would need to be of a certain tribe or you would have to have the right status, it's no longer that way. What God has to offer is open to everyone this morning, yes, thank you. Jew, Greek, Gentile, rich, poor, black, white. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter yes. because when Jesus got involved, everything changed. You know, we at the bridge, when, when, when we think about this, like um, there's a process, right? Like we have processes here at our church. Like when you come in, like we want a certain thing to happen. If it's your first time, we want you to fill out an I'm new card. If you wanna get involved, we want you to go through this thing called Activate. It's four weeks long. If, if you wanna do this, we have a process for that. We have a communication process. We have, we have checklists that we wanna get done on Sunday. There's th- certain things that we wanna hit. There's processes that we wanna be done. And, and, and the reason is that because we want to make this experience easy for those that don't go here regularly. So we put processes in place, Right? And sometimes, and I'm not gonna lie, this is me, I get frustrated when the process doesn't get followed, when the checklist doesn't happen, when people miss their spots or they don't do what they should do. When I don't do what I should do, I get upset. No, this is, this is, what, we, this is what we did. This is why we wanna do this. This is the reason we do this. And, and if you've come here for a long time, you know our mission statement because we try to beat that mission statement into your head. But I can tell you this aside from any process or procedure or checklist, whether you know this church's motto or mission statement or not, when Jesus gets involved, that's all that we care about. We want to see broken people not come in and fill out forms. We wanna come see broken people come in and be changed. We wanna see people that need a savior come in and find a savior, not that they filled out the right forms or gave in the offering. We want to see Jesus just turn people's lives upside down. That is the purpose of the bridge. Because we know when Steve gets involved or Jared gets involved or Dustin gets involved or Sam gets involved, there's only so much that we can do. We can push you in the right way. We can try to get you involved. We can, we can, we can, we can do what we can do. But when Jesus gets involved, things change in an instant. I'm closing if the... Uh, worship team will come. But you know what? Our minds just don't work that way. We feel like we have to be good enough first, right? That we have to follow some sort of process, that we have to do something first before Jesus can get involved. And if I had to guess, there's probably like uh, three types of people that are here today. There's There's those of you that might be here for the first time or you haven't been coming that long and you hear stories of of people being healed or Jesus dying on a cross for our sins and, and, and you might not just believe it. You might not just believe it. And I'll tell you this, whether you believe it or not, Jesus is here and he's working in your life that you've already been exposed to Jesus. And I read a book one time that says, the same sun that melts the ice hardens the clay. And, and once you get, once you get uh, inter, an interaction with Jesus, you're going one of two ways. It's either gonna harden your heart or it's gonna melt your heart to where you want to be with him. Amen. You've already been exposed. Number two is the people that have been in it forever, and they probably think this is the most elementary thing ever, they're like, yeah, Jared, I already know this. Let's do something deeper, you know, give me some meat. All right, but maybe we need to be reminded that when Jesus gets involved in our lives, things change. And we've been involved in it so long, we've done it for so long, that we kind of know, right? We kind of know, like, this is when I stand up, this is when I raise my hands, this is how I do life. I'm in a relationship with Jesus, but when's the last time we said, all right, Jesus, I've been doing things my way, I've been going to church, I've been doing this, but man, God, if there's something in my life that you wanna do differently, I give you control back. God, if you need to wreck my heart, if you need to get back involved, if you need to, God, make me the center, make you the center of my attention once again. But there's also people that might be here for the first time, or you haven't been here for very long, and you're like, man, I I wanna know more about this. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life, but Jared, like, you, you don't understand, like, you don't understand, like, what I've done Jesus Jesus just wouldn't he wouldn't want me like you don't understand the sin that I have in my life you don't understand like the things that I struggle with you don't you don't understand my my family's background like we're just really really screwed up and I don't know that Jesus wants to get all up involved in that you don't know what I struggle with you don't know what I'm currently struggling with Man, I've got addictions and I've got family problems and I've got money problems. I don't, I've got debt. Like, I I just have so much that I feel like Jesus would be better off spending his time on someone else. And look at you, Jared, up there. Like, I know you've been in church your whole life. Like, if you wanna sit down and compare sins, I I will definitely win that one. Can I tell you this? The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every person has sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I can promise you, if someone stood up here with a microphone and started reading off the sins that I've done in my life or that I currently struggle with, I can promise you, I ain't coming back. Number one, because I don't ever want to be seen by you people again. Number two, pastor ain't letting me back up here, I can promise you that. Because let's be honest, we all have skeletons in the closet. We all have those things that we deal with. We all have the things that we just can't get over. And if you want to compare yourself to someone, let's compare ourselves to Paul. Paul wrote over half of the New Testament. Paul was the most, um, he was the biggest witness that Jesus has probably ever had. Paul was out witnessing and got shipwrecked. Not once, but twice. Like he was on a ship and it just got shipwrecked. The second time he ends up on a, an island And a snake bites him, a poisonous snake bites him. Like you want to say like, you've got it bad. Like Paul had it bad, but Paul just kept witnessing and kept witnessing. But this is what he said about his own sin. You know, the things that I want to do, the things that I know are right, the things that I should be doing, those are not the things I find myself doing. And you know all the things that I know are wrong and I shouldn't do them and God has commanded me to do them not to do them. Those are the things over and over and over again I find myself doing. And he talks about this war inside himself. I know it's right, but I don't do it. And the things that I know I should be doing, I don't do it. And the things that I know I shouldn't be doing, I should do it. It's really confusing actually. Romans chapter seven. Try to read it. It's like with the things that I do, I should not do. It's really confusing. And then he says, oh, wretched man that I am. Who is going to deliver me from the body of this death? So that sin that you struggle with, Paul struggled with it too. God called David a man after his own heart. You know what David did? David Slept with another man's wife. Then he had that man murdered. And God said, He's a man after my own heart. Because when Jesus gets involved in your life, everything changes. And you're saying, You don't get it, Jared, I've done all these things. Guess what? Jesus already got involved. Jesus already got involved 2,000 years ago when he died on that cross. And he said, I'm dying on this cross so I can take away the sin of every person on this earth. So you that are sitting here, that sin that you did struggle with, Jesus already got involved that sin that you are currently struggling with right now, Jesus already got involved. And anything you will do from this moment forward, Jesus already died for that. Let's all stand. So I'm gonna ask you this question this morning, where do you need Jesus involved in your life? Um, Before we were, uh, we did the music and then we were praying, we did prayer requests and like just some of the things that are happening in in people's lives and like the cancer and the deaths and and like the, the job situations. And like, it just seems like, you know, like there's just a lot going on, right? There's a lot going on in our lives. And I knew I was speaking this morning and like people like just, can you pray for this situation? Like this is what I need. This is what I'm like, like. And so my mom's like, my mind's like, Jesus can take care of that. Jesus can do that. You know, like this family, like this guy just died in a car wreck and his family just needs peace and it's hitting us hard. Like, wait, wait, wait. Jesus is the author of peace. That's why we pray because we know that like God, we need you involved in this right now. Like we can take flowers, we can take food, we can do whatever, but God, you are the peace speaker. You are the only one that can that can handle this in, in a way that no one else can. So my question to you this morning is, where do you need Jesus just to disrupt your life? Where do you need Jesus to just come in like a wrecking ball and take care of things? Think about that. And I'm gonna ask you the same question that Jesus asked The man that hadn't walked for 38 years. Sir, ma'am, do you want to be made well? Because the same Jesus that said, get up, pick up your mat and walk, is the same Jesus that can day say, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, sometimes we leave this place and your word has spoken us to us in such a joyful and happy way that we, we leave joyful and happy. And other times we leave, God, with the conviction of your word in our hearts. God, I pray that we don't leave this place and forget what your word has spoken told us today that we need to wrestle God with the areas in our life that we have not yet allowed you to be involved in we have tried to do it our own way, we've tried our own processes, we've tried our own checklists we've tried to be independent enough of God but today we are surrendering our will to you and we want you to have control of our lives But most of all, God, help us to have a heart of thankfulness and gratitude that says you did the ultimate thing by getting involved 2,000 years ago when you died on that cross for our sins. So God, just like Paul, the things that we struggle with today and the things that we, we have trouble getting through and the things that we know that are wrong that we keep doing and the things that we know we should be doing that we continuously don't do, God, you've already taken care of those things. God, just as you had the power to tell through your son Christ, that man to get up, pick up his mat and walk. God, we believe in you that you have the power to forgive us of our sins and we can walk away white as snow in your name.
1: Can we just take the next minute or so and just really lean into worshiping him? There are certain messages that are spoken that we need to just lean into and just allow God to move in our hearts and our minds. And I think today's was one of those. And so if you would, just for the next couple of minutes, we're going to sing this song. But would you just at your seat, just begin to think about the things in your life that Jesus can take care of, the things that with the snap of a finger, he can take care of, he can heal, he can deliver. Can we do that just as a church this morning? We thank you. We thank you, Lord. Skies lay low. rate of the star